This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm certain it's Friday. I feel like every day I introduce the show, I'm like, did I just say the right day or the wrong day? But today is Friday. Happy Friday, everybody watching. Happy Friday, Maggie. I feel like this is a great way to end the week for dailies. I'm very excited about doing it today with you. <laughs> so we have good stories to get to today. But first, what's going on? Tell me tell me about something you did this week work-wise that you are proud of and you want to celebrate. Uh, I am very excited that I interviewed Daniel Brühl this week. That felt like a long time coming, and I can't wait to share it here in a few weeks with everybody. So that was an excellent conversation and uh, well worth the wait. I will I will take that. We're going to have lots of good interviews to celebrate. There's that. I feel like I've got uh, American fiction stuff, Iron yeah. Claw stuff, lots of good conversations coming your way on the Collider Interviews YouTube channel. So obviously subscribe to this one, but subscribe to that one too. Yes. You'll like literally never be wondering like, where am I going to find content to fill my days? Because we have you covered on those two channels. You ready for our first story of the day? It's a big I one. Am. It's a big <laughs> one. So this is uh we're 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 calling it in our fancy little lower third the the cameo porn problem. So we picked up this topic via a deadline report, and deadline caught this uh exchange happening on threads recently. And I'll read a little bit from their article so you have the background here. So apparently James Gunn was chatting with some fans on threads when he called out a lack of consistency in the DC universe. And he goes on to say one of the problems with the DCEU content in the past was there was no real consistency within the universe itself. This never meant, and I never said, as this is how we always envisioned it, all animated and video game content would be in the DCU. I did and still say most TV and film will be in the DCU with the occasional Elseworld tale, like Matt's the Batman, but it will have to be exceptional. So like, that's the first chunk. And then some of the follow-up questions pertain specifically to cameos. So some folks were asking James Gunn what kind of characters we could see popping up in upcoming projects. And that's when uh, James Gunn started to address the fact that 
you know, sometimes they don't serve that much of a story purpose. He he goes on to say that's fine if it doesn't disrupt the story. It's the plot contrivances that develop from a cameo, not the cameo itself. And then when a commenter specifically brought up having a character appear on screen for like nearly 10 seconds just to check a box, that being a problem, Gunn brought up the, the cameo porn uh, idea. He writes, I call that cameo porn, and it has been one of the worst elements of recent superhero movies. If a character is in a film, they have to have a reason to be there story-wise. I, I couldn't agree more with, yeah. with that take right there. How are you uh, How are you feeling about those, those comments and the state of cameos in superhero movies, Maggie? I am so glad that somebody who's making superhero movies is acknowledging this, because, I mean, this has been fundamentally one of my biggest issues with, like, the MCU recently with their, like, um, post-credit cameos. People are just waiting for that tease, and then are, like, is it ever going to get paid off? You know, and then you're thinking about that, and you've forgotten the movie you just watched that so much effort was put into and storytelling was put into because the cameo just like derails everyone's like thought process uh so he's right on the money with this one yeah i i'm gonna agree as well here and this is something that i say this isn't just with cameos this is just like a broader point on continuing franchises i do think there is a place for for fan service because mm -hmm. it is something special when you build a fandom and people continue for many many years along with a film series but with every single installment of a franchise, you don't want to narrow your audience, you want to expand it. So exactly. I feel like sometimes cameos happen in a way that make newcomers feel not as included as mm -hmm. they should be. And, th and that could be detrimental to the continuation of a franchise. So that's definitely something that's crossed my mind a good deal. So I do think that it's been a problem, but I think there's a lot of really good examples of times when it's been done well, especially recently. Like, for example, one thing that came to my mind was I thought the sequence in um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was done really well because it's warranted based on the narrative, based on the multiverse narrative, that you would have those characters pop up in a different way. And as someone who loves horror in general and Sam Raimi horror, Obviously, I was going to be tickled by a very bloody sequence like that. So that that is a good example for me. Do you have any good examples that have worked recently? Um, I mean, I feel like I would be amiss not to like talk about Wonder Woman 1984's end scene with Linda Carter. I thought that was a really nice like homage to her Wonder Woman. And had we had that, you know, threequel, I feel like that would have been paid off. Like that was setting up a story there. And that's one that I'm at least very like fond of because I, you know, I have a connection to that having worked on Wonder Woman 1984. Um, but that one always stands out to me because I thought that was a really nice like just payoff for fans of Linda Carter's Wonder Woman. I've, I haven't really like given this much thought, I guess, because it's been such a constant in the MCU. But another good example, I feel like, of a, of a cameo that's effective and is world building is whenever they include Nick Fury. Oh, I mean, yes. That, like that, that to me is the definition of a cameo with purpose that builds mm -hmm. towards something big. So I quite like that. And then in a different sense, I also think there's great opportunity just in terms of like, I guess having fun seeing famous faces, but while making sure it feels natural and, and in world. And the best example I was able to come up with of that is Thor Ragnarok, when they're reenacting the scenes from the previous movie and you get uh, this Matt Damon, Sam Neill and Luke Hemsworth. 
that's hilarious. That's yes. hilarious in world, but it's also hilarious as a movie fan who admires these actors. So Absolutely. I feel like that's a great example of something like getting the best of both worlds. There. I think it's kind of to that. And this is much more like plot driven, but the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special like to speak of James Gunn, like the Kevin Bacon thing was just like absolutely hilarious for so many reasons. But it's not what he's doing. Um, I was actually just looking at a comment in the in the live chat. It's from TNJ Omaha. He writes, I still doubt he, as in James Gunn, is going to be able to juggle all of the characters he wants in Superman Legacy. I was thinking about this this comment because mm -hmm. you just brought up what he does with Guardians and like, I understand it's a lot and it's a lot to do all those key characters justice in a single movie. But look at what Gunn's done with rather large ensembles in the Guardians movie, in um, in uh, uh, Suicide Squad and mm -hmm. Peacemaker and Peacemaker. You know, you have a little more opportunity because it's the series format. But like, dude definitely has a history of proving that he can include a large amount of characters and make sure that. Like all of them serve a purpose, all of them mm -hmm. experience growth and and like have a satisfying arc. So yeah. I feel like he's going to pull it off. Even in the projects that he's just written for some of his previous work, I think he does really well with paying off character arcs for a really large ensemble. So I do think that's like probably one of the reasons why he was a shoe in for that that gig, because he has this like, you know, track history of doing really well with uh, large ensembles, which yeah. I mean, superhero movies warrant that. <laughs> I got faith. I got faith. I wanted to bring up two non-superhero movie cameos that I really like. It's oh. going to be no surprise when I name drop these. First, I love that Martha Meeks is in Scream 5. Oh. That seemed just so smart and effective and as a longtime fan, especially in that particular scene, because that's the scene where Jasmine Savoy Brown gives that speech where like it feels like as a lifelong scream lover, she was talking to me and everything around me just melted away. But to have to have a character so heavily connected to a key legacy character in Randy be included in a way where it makes sense for the for uh uh, Jasmine and, and uh, Mason Gooding's characters, mm -hmm. but also in a way that's like, we see you screen fans. We know the importance of this. Again, best of both worlds. I love that one. I love that. And then the other one I wanted to mention because it's iconic. It's Jimmy Buffett in Jurassic World. Like a simple little thing that's just so satisfying and meaningful to see. And I just like, I love, I love little things like that, that just, have really big payoffs and just work exceptionally well. I love that. That's very nice. It's good ones. Those yeah, are good those ones. are good ones. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, we're moving on to our next topic now. This one is Twisters. 
Maggie, I'm so excited for this movie. It sounds really cool. Are are you are you in the Twister fan club like I am? Because I watched that movie more times than I can count in the 90s, and I still watch it nonstop today. I'm afraid of natural disasters. So I saw it like one Fair time enough. and I'm like, that's good for me. I'm actually much more afraid of tsunamis. That's like the thing that I fear and like have earthquake checkers on my phone and stuff. Uh, so I've seen it like one time, gave me nightmares. That was good to go. I watched it when I was like probably nine or 10. Uh, but this movie is making me like, maybe think I'll be able to watch it. Cause what we're getting from like these details and the cast, it just sounds like Maybe I can set aside my my personal fears for it. I actually think it's the opposite, though, because I feel like this Twister movie is going to feel more, like, real and now because of the climate change element. I can fixate on that. I'll fixate on that and be like, ah, yes, a movie talking about actual issues right now and not, like, the ever-pressing fear. (laughs) I find it funny that Tsunami is, like, your chief fear when, like, you're not located in a part of the world where where that's a thing that happens. But I, uh, anytime I go anywhere near the coast, I'm like, well, I guess I need to check to make sure there's nothing going on off the coast. I mean, I took oceanography in college and it, it cemented the fear, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. I I get that. I get that. When I was, uh, when I was growing up watching the, the 1996 Twister movie, it was definitely one of those earlier movies that I guess made me realize the fact that like these things could scare me and keep me awake at night, but in a way that like, I guess I kind of found appealing, especially growing up in New York where, you know, tornadoes weren't a frequent yeah. thing. It, it It is a situation where I think I felt removed from that danger. So experiencing the danger in the comfort of like my own home or in a theater, it felt okay. And I started to recognize like, like I got, I got a rise out of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it's the same thing with things like Scream. I, I very much recognize the fact that the fear is something that I enjoyed, especially yeah. from the safety of my home. But I think there is so much potential in another Twister movie. I'm so, I'm like kind of glad that it took this long to make another Twister movie. I think that's going to benefit us here, mm-hmm. especially with the with the climate change element, because I do think that's something that's going to make it stand out from the 1996 movie. And then another thing that's going to make it stand out is Lee Isaac Chung directing, because I never in a million years would have guessed like, oh, the Minari director is going to go do a Twister movie next. That just seems like such a big leap. But, you know, when I was talking to Maura Tierney about the movie, she basically emphasized the fact that, well, like he can do anything. And and I have that belief. I really do think he can do anything. So a lot of these quotes that we're talking about come from Steve's interview with the writer of the new Twisters movie, Mark L. Smith, who, of course, co-wrote The Revenant. And right now he's out and about promoting the boys in the boat. So Lots of information here. So he told Steve, it's a lot of fun. It was something that Joe Kaczynski and I came up with. Joe reached out. He had this great idea to get back into the Twister world. And so he sent me the pitch and it was fun. We kind of beat it out. And then we went to Steven Spielberg and Frank Marshall and then they signed off. Universal signed off. So I wrote it and it was all set and Spielberg was ready to go. And he was excited and it was going to be Joe. So Joe Kaczynski originally was meant to direct it. But then things with um, the, the Brad Pitt F1 movie came up. And eventually it was Lee Isaac Chung who stepped in and, uh, was going to direct the film. And then while talking about him in particular, Smith said, it's a lot of fun. He did his own thing to the script a little bit because that's what they do. So I don't know about some of the changes exactly. So I don't know the details, but it's a separate story. So 
as in separate from the 1996 original. It is mm -hmm. not a continuation of the original, but it's just a real wild ride with some good, fun characters. Hopefully we can tap into what original, what the original had because that is just iconic, but it's so cool to have a director like Isaac taking on something like this. It's just so out of his norm and I think he's having fun. I was texting with him a couple days ago and it's just all crazy and it's just all craziness of it. So from there, and this is like another big story element here. Steve did dig into the uh, the idea that this is not a continuation because I had read reports out there that I think it was one of one of the characters like there was a, a kid that was related mm -hmm. to um, Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton's characters or something like that. But Smith basically debunked that. He said that was something we had talked about. And as we were writing it, it was like, oh, this would be a great moment if we wanted to add another element to it. But Joe had always kind of envisioned it as a standalone, that it wasn't connected. And probably some of that was just because after Top Gun, it was like, okay, now let me have my original rather than just hitching it onto the next. Maggie, what is your take on that? Does it make for a stronger sequel that it is not directly connected to the original or vice versa? I think to some degree, it would have been nice to be connected to Twister, especially because, you know, everybody loved Bill Paxton and to have that kind of legacy carried on. But I do think that had it been Joe doing it right after Top Gun Maverick, I can definitely see why he was like, I don't want to do that again, because so much of the success is because it played upon so neatly the, the nostalgia and like the next generation of it. And I think that this might work as its own thing, maybe better because there is a whole new generation of moviegoers that maybe aren't attached to Twister in the same way that this might get them interested That's and involved true. without having to like revisit it. So I think it could work. I am definitely a little bit disappointed because I do love legacy sequels that like do it well. Like Top Gun Maverick is like such a good example of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I am a little disappointed because I, I was excited when I originally saw those rumors. So it is a little sad that it's been debunked now. I get it. I get it. And you know what you just brought up kind of links to what I had said earlier, the idea of not narrowing your fan base, but expanding it. So when I first heard the news that maybe there was a character who was related to them, like, yeah, I was a little excited about that. But, you know, in thinking about the possibilities of making something that stands on its own two feet, but at least respects the 1996 original, mm -hmm. I, I like I do think that's inherent in any Twister movie. But also, I think there is potential in maybe referencing that particular storm chasing crew mm -hmm. and the precedent that they set because i i have to imagine their accomplishments in the 1996 movie might pave the way to whatever technology that this storm chasing team is using and that could be like a really natural like story and character forward way of linking the two films together without being like, ha ha, look who, look who this one's related to. So I think there's a lot of possibilities there that could work really well. And, and again, feel, but feel not like a, not like a shoehorned in cameo, but something natural where one movie is building on the other. Exactly. One more uh, interesting quote here about the climate change uh, elements of the movie. I talked to so many storm experts, tornado experts, storm chasers, and rode around with some, even the tornado season itself, because of climate change, what used to be Tornado Alley going through a certain stretch. It now extends so further east and it's moving across and the dates are wider and the numbers are higher and the storms themselves are more violent. So we did use elements of that just to shine a light on it as well, the causes and effects of climate change. 
you, you have to do that. You have to do that. I feel like as much as we all want, you know, big, crazy blockbusters. And again, you know, I, I I do, I do have a soft spot for experiencing scary things on the big (laughs) screen that I know I'm removed from in real life, but given climate change and its effect on things like, you know, for example, tornado alley, I do think that if you do not reference things like that, it might feel too ridiculous mm-hmm. and therefore not scary and tense. And also, like, you have to mention the important things that are happening in the world, especially when you're exploring a situation so directly tied mm-hmm. to it. So there's many, many layers here that I think uh, that I think lean towards them needing to respect the fact that climate change must be addressed in this movie. Absolutely. Especially when you have a country that more people experience tornadoes than don't. Yeah. T- yeah. Tornadoes, tornadoes definitely, uh, tornadoes yeah. definitely scare me. I've definitely hidden in hallways during big storms. So. Oh God, really? Yeah. We get tornado warnings here all the time. Do you really? Mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, yeah, I guess that literally, that literally yeah. is what he's talking about here. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. Well, I, I, well, I hope you could, why I also don't like tornadoes, the tornado was, movies, because I'm like, yeah, I've done that. That's not exciting. I hope you could sit through this movie. I've got high hopes you will be able to. Yeah, well, and and again, Lynn Powell, so I'm going to watch. Oh, yeah, of course. And and also, like, I'm a big fan of, of, of scares with purpose. Yes. And I, I have a feeling they're gonna they're gonna deliver a, a meaty story that is yes a fun wild blockbuster ride but also has has a little a little meaty like like thematic heft to it. So yeah. I want that. All right, our last topic today is a fun one. It's the holidays. You don't have all that long at this holidays, so we thought we would help you out, especially if you have some movie and TV lovers in your life. So. This is our little mini holiday gift guide for you. We each picked three things and we're gonna, we'll go back and forth. Do you want me to go first or do you wanna take it first? I'm happy to go first. Have at it. Okay. I recommend buying somebody in your your family or in your friend circle a nubs. He is from the High Republic, the Star Wars High Republic series, and you can also watch him in Young Jedi Adventures. Uh, he comes in many different forms: action figure, a stuffy. You can get a, a Christmas ornament. I think he's just he's very delightful. He is the new Baby Yoda, and I think everybody needs one um, in their house just to you know have when they're feeling sad. So. Hey. Appreciate that you brought you brought visuals here. I wish I did. I like literally have any visuals. That's why I was like, I'll go first with it. (laughs) I have an example of what I'm about to say downstairs, and it's not upstairs. And I don't think I yeah, I don't have any tiki mugs here. So the I've arranged my list in in like price tiers. So it's like if you want something like a little more affordable, but then my last thing is like you you gotta commit. You gotta commit to buying this gift for (laughs) I mean your yourself or a very special person in your life. But first tier here. I'm going with the Toink Geeky Tiki mugs because I think that they, I have the one that I'm referring to downstairs. You could look it up very easily. It's the Killer Clowns from Outer Space set. I bought a set while we were at Comic-Con this year and I took one and then two of my friends took the other two. But they're they're really just, like whether you're actually drinking out of a tiki mug or not, or just like displaying it, they're really nicely designed mugs and they hit so many different brands. So I feel like no matter what that person you're getting the gift for likes, they probably have a mug on the site that is like really cool looking and also suits their interests. So I highly recommend checking out their sites and some of those mugs. I love that. I have a friend who collects all of them and has an entire tiki room filled with 
tiki mugs. It's it's a whole thing. So yes, <laughs> that would make me so nervous that I would knock them over. Like I'm very careful with where I place my tiki mugs because I'm I'm convinced that like I mean whether it's an earthquake or me just shutting my door too hard, yeah. they're gonna like tumble off a shelf or something. Definitely. Uh, so my second pick is a like a soundtrack vinyl of either yours or your friends or your family's like favorite movie of the year. Um, I'm sure Perry and I have both received many vinyls this year from various different critics groups. I'm looking uh, at my pile. I can't reach it. Yeah. It'll be really awkward if you see me like try to reach down and get it right now. There's, there's so many. And like I was really surprised. I opened up my Oppenheimer one last night and there was like a full poster inside of it. And like there's a lot of fun stuff that comes in them and they're like available from Mondo you can get them at Target. I also just found out that Netflix has their own shop with vinyls of their their movies. So I bought myself Off White on the Western Front last mm -hmm. night. So like there's a lot of those and that's like really easy to get like maybe one for each friend if they have record players or mm, you know get them bit by the bug. Yeah. And then and like you could also go to companies like Waxworks too. Mm -hmm. They do such great design. I think uh, actually this this guy right here is I, I don't know if anyone could see it. I think the window's too narrow, but Last year or the year before, I bought the uh, the waxwork set that they made for the Fear Street movies, and it's it's really mm -hmm. nice. It's really nice, and you know, there's just like a different quality when you're playing vinyl compared to anything else. All right, I do have an example for you for my second gift because I am obsessed with graphic tees. Mm -hmm. There are many companies that I love buying from, but I think my like top tier favorite right now might be Rucking Fountain. A lot of a lot of their their sales like like they sell out. They are timed, so I would recommend signing up so you get the alerts, which is what I do. Signing up can also be a problem because then you like feel the urgency and you can't help but to buy, buy, buy. So I have too many things. This is one of my more recent recent purchases here. That is really it's cool. Pearl, it's Pearl. I've got I've got many from them though, like many, many, many. Anytime, anytime they drop something, and I think there's a chance that that movie will be a favorite of the year or even a past favorite. I feel obligated to buy it. I also just bought something they released for um, Talk to Me that looks real Ooh. damn good. I love that shirt so much. But they have a lot of great stuff, great opportunities to give cool shirts to your loved ones. My third one is also shirts. I was going to recommend the Paramount store has tons of Star Trek stuff. There are so many fun graphic tees for all of the Star Trek shows from Prodigy to Picard to Strange New Worlds, everything in between. And there's also like glass glasses made to look like they're from the Picard winery and like lots of very fun cool. stuff. So if you have a, a Trekkie in your life, there are a lot of fun, fun things on that shop to uh, get lost looking at. That's a good one. All right. This is my biggie. This is like, this is my investment suggestion because some of these things can be quite pricey. I am a little bit of like a, a prop nerd. Oh. I love buying screen used props and it's a, it's a habit I need to keep in check because they can, there's, there's some very affordable <laughs> ones, but there's also some very, very pricey ones. And I go on prop store a lot. They have a lot of live auctions that you could do. They have a lot of things that just pop up on sale uh, randomly that you could buy. And like really for someone who deeply loves a movie or a show, man, there's just so, there's something so exciting about like having something that was mm -hmm. in the show. My, I don't think I, I brought this up on dailies. I might've, I don't think I did though. In the, in the end, my most recent purchase like slash win because it was part of the live auction was they, uh, they did a, an auction for props from 
fall the house of usher which i love yes and all of the proceeds from that like went to a good cause that pertains to the topics that the show explores and the second i saw that i said to myself like you can get yourself something because that money is going to a good place and then i narrowed it down i wanted the chairs you watched it right Maggie? yes I wanted the chairs so badly. They were selling the the, the chairs that mm -hmm. they have the conversations with in their in their old the childhood home. It's just I'm glad I didn't do it because when I when I paid the bill, it's like you pay what you bid, but then also the the shipping fee is is fairly large. And given the fact that I only bought like teeny tiny things, I can't imagine what the shipping fee on those chairs would be. Also, I have a tiny apartment. I can't put the chairs here. Yeah. I decided to stick with something that pertains to the character of prospero slash perry because like this is my name so i got his credit cards oh i love that <laughs> i wish they worked but they don't but now i have them uh, i also have a bad habit of looking at prop uh auctions so i have i have the same problem i only have two props from two different um tv shows i have a nightgown from um the man in the high castle that oh. i bought because i love that show so much uh and then i bought a prop from once upon a time uh it was the only one that i could afford and also it was like small it's just like one of the paper props from liam jones um from the killian episode about his brother and his backstory because that was like killian was my favorite character so i bought that and it was like ten dollars but then shipping was like <laughs> or something because they put it in like a certified envelope to make sure it gets to you but yeah i think it's such a that's a such a fun way to gift somebody yeah. something that like the people they love have touched i will say though i am still mad that everything in the punisher auction went for so much money because i watched that i watched everything i had bids on some stuff and everything went up to like 500 1000 like eight thousand dollars i was yeah. just like there's a there's a lot of I've seen a lot of Jurassic Park stuff over the mm -hmm. years that go for like wild, wild amounts of money. And I can't ever get my hands on one of those. But like you can always find something affordable in these things, particularly a like paper. One thing that I'm really happy that I got is I got Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Riley. So Deputy Dewey, having yes. grown up in Scream 4, his uh, his name tag. And that's that's probably one of my favorite ones. And I have oh, it I on my wall. And I, I love that one so much. So that is our holiday gift guide. That is our Friday edition of Collider Dailies. That's it. We're done for the week. So I'm going to say thank you, Maggie. Thank, thank you to you. everyone in our live chat and wish you all a wonderful weekend. And we will be back bright and early or like in the afternoon, depending on where you live. 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Monday for a brand new episode of Dailies. We will see you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.